Hi, I'm Jennifer Carter, and thank you for joining me on a podcast for parents, teachers, and administrators. Today's conversation should be a good one, and I'm sure it's something on your mind. So let's get to it. I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. Um, you are my first former student to okay. have a conversation with me. Hopefully not my last, but my first former student. And if you could just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay. Um, my name is Dana McKenzie. I am a licensed professional counselor. I have a private practice, counseling practice. It's called Restore Family Counseling. I have a bachelor's in psychology from Virginia Tech, a master's uh, in professional counseling from Liberty University. And I am a licensed professional counselor um, through the board of Virginia. Um, so I've married, been married for 15 years and have three children, a 14 year old, a 12 year old and a six year old. When I hear these numbers, I just feel I feel some type of way. <laughs> it's not a good way, but yeah, you can't do anything about that. So, what are we going to talk about today? I am super proud. So, you know, I was thinking it would be really cool if we could talk about the trauma that our kids are experiencing. Mm. Um, a lot of our kids are just filled with trauma, and we don't really recognize it. I mean, some of them are obvious traumas. You know, we might see these kids that may have been removed from foster care or removed from their home and placed in foster care or adopted or, you know, different things like that. But some of the traumas that they're experiencing, they're still living with. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have children that are just functioning at high stress levels all the time. So I thought that would be a good mm -hmm. um, topic of conversation. And you know, what's really interesting, you know, we're talking right now in the middle, well, hopefully the end, I mean, it's right. going on for a minute, you know, but you know, we're talking while this pandemic is happening, but I think there's, you know, we worry about getting ill and we worry about mm -hmm. people around us, you know, getting sick. But I think mm -hmm. there's a very um, stealthy side effect that we're not talking about, which is everybody is trapped in households together, yeah. no matter what the dynamic yeah. of that household are. And just Absolutely. like we, my center is still open. Oak Tree is, you know, Oak Tree Learning Center is chugging along, but we see yeah. some really um, uncharacteristic behavior and that we, sure. you know, because we've gone through trauma-informed care training, we recognize that these kids are going through traumas in their home. Yeah. Um, they were in trauma in the best of times. Um, right. I can tell you a really quick story. Um, we had um, we had a, a situation where a parent who had murdered somebody had threatened to come and kidnap his child mm. from the guardians, and mm -hmm. he knew, you know, he knew that they went to our center, and mm. so like the kids, th these kids, it was um, you know a set of siblings. Both of them were freaked out, you know. Yeah because they knew they were safe with us but in the right. back of their mind they're wondering like am i gonna when i get in the car is he gonna kill my mm -hmm. and my guardians to get to me is he sure. my sibling isn't you know his biological child 
well, I have to worry about my siblings. So it was, yeah. a mess, you know, and I had to recruit yeah. services, but you know, that's, that's like a, a really big egregious example, but even, you know, divorcing parents and things like that. And so now we have yeah. all of that trauma in the context of not being able to get out. So what do you see yeah. in your field and how people are reacting in the things that they're doing? Uh, uh, specifically with the pandemic or just in general? Just in general. Yeah. So we have, you know, kids that are, you know, as adults, when we have a something gone, a traumatic event, we have enough resources. We've been around long enough that we can kind of problem solve. We can say, what's the likelihood of this happening again? You know, it's still traumatic and we still have whatever triggers that we're dealing with. But because we have grown to acquire some resources and to reach out to our supports, we know how to deal with it, right? We can take those um, cognitive distortions and we can say, that's probably not real life. But for our kids, you know, one, a lot of them haven't been given the skills in the first place, right? Because yeah. of different parenting strategies, right? Everybody's allowed to parent differently. So some of our kids yeah. have had some really unique, <laughs> they've had some really unique parenting experiences. So they've not really been given the skills to regulate themselves. So right. these kids are, you know, having these big feelings, these big stressful situations, whether that's somebody arguing or somebody leaving, dad's in jail, mom's in jail, there's substance abuse. And even, you know, it doesn't have to be chronic trauma where it's multiple things that are happening over time. It could be, you know, something really acute, like a car accident, you know, something that happened one time, but still very stressful. And so you have a child who doesn't have the tools and the resources trying to navigate life. And so they don't know, they don't have the words. They don't have the like, mommy, I need help. All they know is that something inside of them feels wrong and they feel this constant state of fear. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes when they're in that stress response, right, we know we're supposed to either fight, flight, or freeze. They are constantly navigating that. So they just have constant stress hormones emitting through their bodies all the time. And so it, it comes out in emotional outbursts. We see it in their behavior. They are crying. They are throwing chairs in a classroom or they're running away. They're hiding. They're, they're doing all of these like extreme behaviors. And yet we as parents or educators you know we're trying to like what in the world is going on here and we can't help them because they can't give us the words to say something's wrong you know we know something's wrong and then if we send them home to their parents or whoever and they can't they don't have the tolerance or the resources themselves to help them navigate it it's just a whole lot of you know complexities on top of another like layer on top of layer we just have a lot of confusion. I think I want to linger on that point a little, you know, yeah. from the educator perspective, because what you say, there's, there's a reality that educators are dealing with mm -hmm. and there's the reality and context of what a child is experiencing. You know, even in the best of times when you have children in your presence and they're screaming and throwing mm -hmm. tears, it's really disruptive and you can start to dysregulate because you don't never, you never know who in your class is also right. in that state. It starts right. to regulate 
and trigger a lot of other people or a lot of other things. It may even trigger things in you. Sure. So it's really difficult um, to sort of step back and mm-hmm. give, give individual children the space to express this stuff mm-hmm. while catering to the other children in your class and yourself because I think we don't give teachers enough like of the spotlight and say you are in a stressful situation also sure. that can yeah, be overwhelming. Then yeah. we compound it, unfortunately, by telling parents who don't have the proper strategies, who just then reinforce the trauma, not yeah. the different behavior, they reinforce the trauma and then they send it back. And it's just yeah. this yeah. you know, roundabout of Absolutely. everybody being stressed out, you know? Yeah. Definitely. I have some teacher friends. And so I hear about, you know, they have all of these mandates that they have to get done or these checklists and they got to make sure that their students are learning things. And so how do you keep this child safe and that checklist that you have in the back of your head of all the things that you need to make sure get done during a day or by the end of the week or, you know, by the quarter or whatever, you know, and, and make sure that this one child or multiple children are being attended to in that way. It is, it, I, I totally recognize the struggle. Um, you know, I wish there were, and some schools have, you know, aides or something that could come in, you know, that could help this teacher maybe even navigate some of this, you know, or building brain breaks or something like that. Like, you know what, I noticed Johnny's having a hard time. Let's all just take a break. Let's all yeah. get up and do yeah. some jumping jacks, you know, yeah. like let's figure it out. So that, you know, the attention is no longer on this child. It's like, let's just all do what we need to do to kind of support support him. But you're right. What happens a lot of times is these kids get sent back home and they get removed from what is probably the safest place for them, right? Like, because we know that they're going to get fed. We know that the same people are there. There's not a lot of movement in and out of the classroom or you know, it's that consistency, that structure that they they really thrive on, but because they're so dysregulated, they can't um, they can't appreciate it. You know, so then we say, oh well, you you messed up. So then, what's the narrative that they're starting to build within themselves? Oh, I messed up. I got to go back to that place, or oh, I messed up. I'm not good enough to be here. Or a lot of times, they associate that with love. Because these kids don't have any, some, not all of them, some of our kids don't have an accurate understanding of love, that reciprocity of love, you know? And so if my teacher sends me home, then she doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. Or if I upset her or, you know, if I do something wrong just because I don't even really know why I did it, mm-hmm. now I've made her mad. You know, I've already made mom mad and or I will make mom mad when I get sent home. You know, it's, again, another cycle of, disappointment for this child to try to navigate i mean i think you know i've always you you've been in my class mm-hmm. i am not one for sticking for the with the script you know yeah. i think um and maybe administrators the world over will cringe when they hear me say this <laughs> when you're in your classroom you mm-hmm. it's better than anybody else right. and i think Teachers have to feel bold enough and brave enough to say that curriculum, we're tossing it out. Even yeah. if we get three weeks behind, we got to have space in this classroom, no matter mm-hmm. how long that takes. And once you have that safe space, mm-hmm. you'll have those percolations and eruptions, but they'll feel safe 
enough yeah. that you can you can hold the class. Right. Everyone is all on the same page. We all have whatever's going on. You can still hold that class mm-hmm. and move into your curriculum. Right. Because, you know, the one thing that the the dirty secret of education is especially if you're using common core is that mm-hmm. it comes it's cyclical it's cyclical it'll come around again so if you don't right. get the x it's going to come back around you know if you focus on the absolute most important things for your kids to learn as a foundation mm-hmm. for whatever level you're teaching right. everything else is is dressing you know it's yeah. just augmenting mm-hmm. and you know i think sometimes teachers feel like they can't do that. And I mm. can comfortably say that I have built an entire career on doing that, you know, really? yeah. it's, you know, the, if, if you trust your teaching, the kids will learn what they will learn, but mm-hmm. they can't learn it if they are emotionally dysregulated. Yeah. That's, you, that is, that's something every teacher and administrator has to realize as much as you want to get through your curriculum, it has to come second to that emotional mm-hmm. health. Yeah. See that, I mean, I, I'm sure you see it where they're not going to concentrate if they're stressed. They're not going to concentrate if they're mourning or grieving. They're not going to concentrate if they're worried about, you know, mom's job or dad's job or mom's divorce or dad's girlfriend. Like they're not. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. They're not going to be able to concentrate. Right. And, we have to also recognize that this is across the board. It's not by race. It's not mm-hmm. by class. It's right. not by geographic area. It is something we all need to deal with equally and in the right. same Absolutely. And how trauma affects one student is not going to affect another student the exact same way. So it might take longer for some kids and it might require a little bit more for other kids. You know, who knows? You just have to have the patience the time to be present with them and and not really come at them with logic all the time. Sometimes, you know, we want to logically explain to children, but if the logic part of their brain is offline, yeah. then it's because their emotion is like, woo, you know, going off, they're not going to, you know, logically try to problem solve with you. Really, they need you to speak to that emotion. They need you to say, okay, I, you are safe you know, take care of that basic need of you are safe and you are okay. And I see you and I hear you and I'm with you, you know, not sit down and do this and fill this work, you know, whatever it is that needs to get done. We don't need to do that today. Right now, I just need to see you. And I I recognize that there is a lot of pressure for a lot of teachers. And I don't know how I could speak to my teacher friends about like, you know, ditch the curriculum and do what you need to do. I don't, I don't know. That might create another level of stress and dysregulation for for some of our. I would come on the podcast. That would bring a lot of ideas on how you can do both. You know, and and honestly, that's why I I really worked a lot on this experience based curriculum because mm-hmm. you build so many skills mm-hmm. within doing that. Like if you're all collaborating on a project, you're yeah. learning material, you're building your social skills, you're building your emotional. Yeah. Tools. You're working on your fight. So it's like a whole combo where yeah. you can take some of the things that they're doing in class and then incorporate it in, in a way that's different. But I also wanted to ask you, when you say be present, mm-hmm. can you share a time where you've witnessed 
or experience someone really being present that was really effective? Yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes, like I have this one kiddo, this one experience I'm thinking about. She, um, at the time, was in foster care, had been removed from her guardians and just a lot of behaviors, just a lot, a lot, a lot. She came in my office one day and just destroyed it. I mean, pulled all the toys down off the shelf. She was just so out of her body, just needed to. And so, you know, I didn't say, don't do that, you know, that. She just needed to, now, there are probably a lot of therapists that would say that is horrible and that's not the way things should go. But you know, in that moment, she needed to just do what she needed to do. She calmed down. So what I did, you know, I got really low, got in her space and I just said, man, you're really angry. You are so angry. And I just was present with her in her emotion. And then I gave her, I think some Play-Doh, something to kind of, you know, ground herself, give her some different sensory things. And she, you know, we talked about how soft the Play-Doh was and what color it was and just to kind of distract her from that emotion that she was having right there or, or all of that behavioral disruption. And she was able to just kind of come and slowly she just brought it, you know, came closer to me and she sat beside me and we just said, man, this is a mess, you know, and we were both able to kind of laugh about it, but I was just in that moment with her. I wasn't trying to give her any directives. I wasn't trying to logically explain, you know, if you break this, then such and such is going to happen. Now that might not always be the case. I recognize that safety has to be number one. If she were running around with scissors or something, I would have did what I needed to do. You wouldn't have had like just flail scissors around? No, no, definitely not. No, I just, I just said, you know, this kid just needs to do whatever she needs to do. And, you know, I say that to a lot of the parents that I work with that, you know, sometimes they really just need to get it out. If you, we don't want to encourage them to destroy their room, but a lot of times if we're always focused on, you know, well, if I let them destroy the room this time, they're going to think that that's okay. And they're always going to do that. You're forward thinking. You've completely left this moment, right? Mm -hmm. And you went to five other moments that haven't even happened yet. That's anxiety. That's fear, like fear of the unknown, right? You can't, well, if I let my kid do it today, then 10 times they're going to do it. Right now, I just need you to focus on what they're doing right now. So yeah, we don't want them to destroy the room, but right now that's probably what needs to happen. So let's just be in this moment. Let's be present in this moment. Let's attune to what is happening in your child. And right now something is really pissing him or her off and we need to kind of get to that mm. as opposed to, you know, the, the other stuff will come when they finally calm down, when they finally sit and talk with you and connect with you, then you could say, all right, you think we should clean this up? Like, how about I do this side, you do that side, or I'll hold the basket and you put the, you know, whatever you need to do. But I think that just speaks volumes to them. You know, it's not like, I'm angry, now my mom's angry, or I'm angry, and my grandma, I, I made them, you know, because that can just escalate it even more because they get in these spaces where they can't return. Mm. And they realize that they've upset you, and they're like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Mm. But if you're just present, and you're in that moment, and you're like, I'm here, I see you, you're mad, you're angry, you're sad, you're whatever, here we are, let's, let's navigate this together. Not like, stop doing that. What are you doing? Clean this up. You're, you know, it just, it makes it worse. 
Yeah, I I love that you said don't leave the moment. You're five moments away. <laughs> and yeah. when you're watching your child go bananas, I mm-hmm. it, and you're tired and you're in a classroom or you know, I know uh, like my son is my kryptonite. Yeah. I am his kryptonite. We we had that conversation where there's nobody else in the world that makes me pull my hair out the way my boys do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, there's nobody I love more, you know? Yeah. And it's so easy, like when they're talking about something to think of what will happen as opposed mm-hmm. to in this moment, what is it that you need right now? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it might be a really good technique for, for any adult that works with kids. You notice that a kid is wilding out. Mm -hmm. You have to ask yourself, what does this kid in this moment to stop wilding out? You know, space by himself or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like I give kids permission. Like if they're really frustrated, they can stomp and like bang on tables and things like that. Yeah. Because. I don't want them to hurt themselves or other people. And so I'm like, if you do that, well, everyone's going to know. And then we also are building kind of a community that if we see that happening with someone, everybody is like, you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay? You know, and everyone is engaging and giving that person some attention and support. But, you know, it's, I think those are really good things to keep in mind when you have children who are displaying behaviors, you know, both Mm -hmm. whether you're a teacher, a parent, administrator, whoever, I think it's really good to remember to stay in that moment and ask, what do you need? What does this child need? You know, Mm -hmm. the other thing is, I don't think we spend enough time off stage thinking about these things, right? Mm -hmm. So your kid is having a fit, whether they're six or 17, and mm-hmm. you're trying to triage that moment instead mm-hmm. of you had a moment, reflect on that moment when you're not mad, when you're not upset, right. when you're right. not Because like, listen, my kids are six, five and six, eight. And sometimes mm-hmm. I pick them up and be like, are you really? No. Are you really trying <laughs> yeah. to like that? Right. But thinking about the moment where I feel like that later prepares mm-hmm. me for the next moment that's going to happen. And I, I really don't know if that is something that teachers and parents are encouraged to do enough. Mm-hmm. You don't want to always problem solve when the problem is happening. You right. to think about it when you're driving to work or when you're in the shower or instead of, you know, engaging with your phone, you got to give some time for that reflection and Mm -hmm. think about like, how am I going to prepare myself when this happens again? For the next time. Yeah, definitely. I think it it can create too a lot of conversation between you and your child. Right. So like, okay. And then when you're reflecting, you're like, what did, what did it do with me? Like, why did that upset me so much? Cause you know, a lot of times we, parent the way we've been parented or, or try not to parent the way we've been parented. So there's a lot of like inner vows that we're trying to navigate within ourselves. So like if our kid does something and we feel disrespected, it's like, you're not going to disrespect me, but it's like, where does that come from? Sure. Our kids aren't supposed to disrespect us, but 
that's just an example but you know like where is this like why is, what's your stuff that makes you get triggered when people just yeah yeah absolutely because i tell my kids all the time i'm like you can be mad you know definitely show your emotion be upset just don't get disrespectful if you need to go in your room do what you got to do let's come back and we'll talk about it and you're right like after you reflect on it maybe you can come back to your child and say so you know what what happened you know definitely problem solved not in the moment after the fact what happened there what, what did we miss what did i miss what did you need from me in that moment because i might not have responded the way you needed me to respond mm -hmm. and it's okay to apologize to our kids right like yeah. there's, <laughs> there's this thing where we're like we can't say sorry we can't show weakness like no we should be able to say mama messed up i, I probably shouldn't have yelled at you i probably should have check myself in that moment and maybe even role play it so like all right when you're throwing chairs you need me to like duck or catch it like <laughs> what do you need from me in that moment so that we can make this end better you know and in a different situation mm -hmm. you yeah. know um i always say i have two boys i never say i have two sons i always say mm -hmm. I have two boys because one of my boys is actually not biologically ours he came to live with us when he was 16 and you can imagine there's you know things like there were definitely some behaviors that we mm -hmm. let's just say we had to sort them out sure i know with the way i grew up i i grew up in cleveland going mm -hmm. to east cleveland public schools at the height of the crack era mm. You know, you talk about not wanting to be disrespected because if you let someone, if you don't check someone's disrespect, right, you become a target for everybody. So, like my entire childhood, you know, talk about triggers and stuff. My entire childhood was like forming my sassy mouth, you mm -hmm. know, and like you know, making sure that I checked anybody. If you got out of line, I was like, no, no, you're the. Mm -hmm. There's a a very firm line. Let's not cross mm -hmm. it. So fast forward to the parenting stuff, my, my older boy has his baggage. I have clearly, I wouldn't even call it baggage. I'd call it a light accessory that I carry around, right? <laughs> so he would do stuff all the time that was very triggering and we would have like battles, but mm. we always then talked about it. Yeah. And now when we talk about some of the stuff that happened, we can laugh about it. Sometimes we cry again. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, both of my boys know, like, you know, there's no such thing as manly behavior. You know, what mm -hmm. I mean? like if you want to yeah. and sit in my lap and become like an emotional puddle for 20 yeah. years, that is totally fine. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I will say from my own experience in parenting that having those like recaps it's sort of like i watch um my husband my, my kids play basketball my husband loves basketball so i i unfortunately end up watching a lot <laughs> and so there's always this after show with shaquille o'neal kenny smith and then mm -hmm. another, okay so that show yeah and they always like recount what happens and they tell jokes about it and they add all yeah. flavor to the story you can even do something like that because right then it becomes a way to look at that situation and lighten it mm -hmm. and you can say all like they say some pretty terrible stuff they're like man i can't he couldn't shoot to say and then they they read a joke for like 10 minutes but yeah 
you shifted the mood like right. highlighting this thing that was could have been like a twitter nightmare they make yeah. activity and i think right. we can do that when we have these moments of trauma with our kids also where how can we recap like that situation where the little girl destroyed the room and make mm -hmm. it something where you're saying the truth like you shouldn't do that it is in a and it is pretty disrespectful. Nobody else in the world is gonna let you do this, but you mm -hmm. say it in a way that maybe it's funny or you know, if you say it in a way where she can hear it, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think we don't we don't value reflection. We don't value the that time where we we go back and think about things like that, you know. Right, right. I don't know. How do you how do you think we can shift that? Hold on, my phone is making noise how do you think we can shift that and make that a new um you know like how do you think we can shift that or how what advice could we give people to encourage them to reflect more so that they can handle these situations better sure you know i think my the biggest um one of the things that's coming to my forefront is that everybody wants to be seen and heard right we all do we want to feel valued we want to feel like you know when we walk in the room somebody is excited to see us somebody is happy so you know in these moments where we're having these really difficult moments with our children or our students are we allowing them to be seen and heard you know and maybe what we're seeing is a manifestation of them not being seen and heard for so long so yeah it it might be a big explosion in that in that moment but it's kind of pass, right but that connection that you've made in that moment with that child is way more important than you know i guess implementing whatever consequence or making sure that this is not a, a habitual situation but you really just want to connect mm -hmm. so i would say the connection before the correction if anything you know focus on that connection focus on seeing them and hearing them mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, I, I love telling parents recruit your kids to participate in just the things that you do. You mm -hmm. know, if, if you like to go to Zumba, take your kids to Zumba. Yeah, like watching basketball, have your kids watch basketball with you. Absolutely. Yeah. If you like to go shopping, you know, budget fifty dollars more and take them shop. You know, like right, whatever right. you're into. And then that's that's the connection piece. You that know, is it. Easy, you know. Take them to the grocery store. Sure. Or if you're working two jobs, at some point or another, you got to wash clothes. They can help, you know. They can help absolutely. I think you know we are so busy, right? We're just a busy world. We are always moving on to the next thing. So they're like, oh, I don't have time to let my kid cook. It's just easier if I do it myself. But if you think. If you took, if it took 10 extra minutes to put that casserole in the oven, you know, you created millions of little connections and firings in your child's brain in that 10 minutes, you know, in that 10 minutes, your child's brain was like, boo, 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 you know, mommy, you know, whatever, instead of just being like, oh, okay, go do it. And, and instead, what's the alternative? Your kid is forming connections with a tablet or an iPad or, you know, or something like that. Wouldn't you rather that connection, that 10 extra minutes be with you that could last even longer, that could build that trust, that could build that, you know, that love, you know, fill with a love bucket or whatever, you know? I don't know. And even the memories, you know? Yeah. 
like my we have all these these traditions that don't really involve a lot of money and they mm-hmm. always are like well when are we picking out the christmas tree mm-hmm. when are we decorating you know mm-hmm. when are we gonna cook thanksgiving How yeah go to so-and-so's house on, you know, and so they know these, these important markers start to request it. And my kids are in their Mm -hmm. twenties. We're not talking about little kids. We're talking about still adults value these things. And, you know, the extra 10 minutes, you know, that, that will build those, but they, they Mm -hmm. really do form so much. You get so much out of them. Yeah, definitely. Well, I just want to say, I, I'm always really, I'm always watching the clock to be mindful of the time. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say thank you so much. This was really, really a good conversation. I know. <laughs> we'll do it again. So that's our conversation for today. I hope you found some information that was interesting or a perspective that you hadn't thought of. If you like what you heard, or even if you have some feedback, put a comment in our comment section. Be sure to like our page and make sure that you subscribe so that you can hear when the next video comes out. Thanks so much again for joining us.